Welcome to the Principles of Performance podcast, where we discuss how to optimize your health, fitness, and performance. Drawing on decades of experience of working as coaches, consultants, and trainers to top performers, athletes, and teens from professional sports to top universities to the U.S. military, Eric Degatti and Mike Perry discuss topics and strategies of how to perform at your highest level and be your very best. Join us and our friends and colleagues who are leaders in the fitness and performance industry as we investigate and challenge the most popular training, nutrition, lifestyle, and recovery protocols. with the Principles Performance Podcast, episode number 24. I am your host, Eric Tagatti, and I am flying solo this week. My partner, Mike Perry, uh, is away with the family since we're recording this during the holidays, so I'll do my best to, to keep up my share. Uh, today, we have a, a great guest who's also a great friend of mine, and there's some cool stories that we'll share about that, and we're going to be talking about bodybuilding not necessarily just the training but also the sport of bodybuilding we have a legend of the sport here my friend Vinny Galanti who's he's an IFB pro IFBB pro bodybuilder whose accomplishments win, uh, include winning titles and, and get ready for this the Mr. New Jersey Junior USA Junior National USA and the Masters Nationals uh, Pittsburgh Baltimore Tampa Daytona and Hurricane Pro uh, Championships uh, and so basically the last 30 years, he's been a leader and an ambassador for the sport of bodybuilding. And he's appeared in just about every single muscle magazine you could think of. And he's been a sponsored athlete with Universal Nutrition. So you've probably seen him in those ads. He's a personal trainer here in New Jersey and coaches and trains bodybuilders for the contest preparation, as well as still actively competing himself and getting ready for the Masters Olympia right now. It's going to be in Romania this August. Uh, my good friend, Vinny Galanti, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Eric, for having me. My pleasure. Awesome. So the, the quick intro that we'll give is the funny story that I tell is yeah, this is going back. I'm going to say it's probably we're trying to figure that, this out the other day. It was probably like 1996, I'm guessing. And my brother and I, I were, right. were, yeah, we were two geeked out kind of bodybuilders. And we go to join a new gym that's opening. And uh, they say, OK, it's it's pre-sale, but we can give you a tour. And we're getting a tour from this guy. And, and again, we're, we're total bodybuilding geeks and we're following around and we're, we're looking at each other, whispering, going, wait that's that's Vinny Galanti I think that's Vinny Galanti holy <laughs> shit that's Vinny Galanti and we're like any turn around and be like uh, questions guys I'm like no 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 we're good we're good we're like holy shit we're working with Vinny Galanti so we were so excited uh that we ended up becoming friends and he worked at the gym powerhouse gym this is this is back in Fairfield New Jersey and actually trained us uh both for our first bodybuilding shows uh in our illustrious bodybuilding career going back about 25 years ago uh, and what's very cool is it came full circle to uh, to where Vinny actually got my son ready for his first bodybuilding show where he he, yep. he kicked ass and did great. And so uh, it's it's been a very cool ride to to uh, be friends with with you, Vince. So tell us a little bit about your kind of journey and that you've had a very long and successful bodybuilding career. So how did it all get started for you? And 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 did you ever think you would be able to do everything that you've you've been able to do in this in this sport? No, absolutely not. I you know I'm I'm blessed. I'm, I'm blessed and, and humbled by what I've accomplished um, and where I'm at today, literally about 40 years later. So, um, you know, I, I grew up in Jersey City and um, I had a weight set. Uh, my dad got me a weight set like 
I had to be like, I think 13, 14 years old. And it was the, that old school metal weight set with a little red clamp at the end with a little metal twisty thing. And one day it fell on my face and my father got it out of the house and he, he replaced it with a solo flex. And it was like, you know, one of those machines with the bands and, uh, you know, it was tension. So at while all this was going on, I come to find out that um, Billy Schultz, his grandfather lived next door to me and Billy owned Billy's bodybuilding gym in Bayonne. And at the time, 1983, things were different. Uh, you had to be 18 years old to join a gym. You couldn't be 16, 17. Um, I went there. I lied, told them I was 18. And I signed up. And uh, the, the second I walked into the gym, smelled the weights, smelled the rubber, rubber floor, I was hooked. Uh, that was it. That This is what I wanted in my life. And, you know, my, my attention span was short at the time. My, I probably had ADHD or something. Um, I'm, you know, just flabbergasted by what the guys were doing in there. And just that's all I wanted to do is all I could think of. So my, my career started out just working out and not thinking about competing. Didn't even know what that meant until a few months later when guys were from the gym were getting ready for a gym show called uh, the Mr. Hudson County. And um, they took me under their wing, taught me how to eat, taught me how to train, but I really didn't know what I was doing. I, I think my diet really consisted of cottage cheese and um, fish filet sandwiches from McDonald's because it was fish. So I thought, hey, guy, bodybuilders eat fish. So I did that and uh, took dead last in the contest. The bug bit me and here we are today and um, a few titles later. So, so you're saying filet of fish is not what we should be eating not which no <laughs> cheat meal maybe but got it if you're gonna make that your cheat meal you seriously need you need help um yeah. but uh so in that time that the, the sport has changed quite a bit you know i i got into it later than you did but i've seen a, quite a bit change from back then and then going back and even seeing when my son competed last year so um how do you kind of feel about where bodybuilding's at right now um i probably wouldn't compete today uh I'm not, I'm not a fan. Well, I shouldn't say that it's, you know, it's changed. So you got to adapt, right? You got to go with the, you got to go with the flow. Um, it's, uh, it's a different world with social media. You know, I, I think even when you came aboard in, in the nineties, we only had, you know, you had me to talk to and maybe one or the two guys in the gym. And um, today, you know, a lot of people are just confused about the information you have people who don't know how to train teaching people who don't know how to train on social media. And what happens is it causes a, a lot of um, confusion and people do exercises completely wrong. They get hurt. Um, and, and Eric, you've seen it over the years. There's people who are just genetically gifted and can do an exercise completely wrong and walk on stage and look amazing. That's a genetic freak. And that's, not what I'm talking about. But what I'm talking about is the sport itself has changed where guys are just doing things that just shouldn't be done. And through training, through drugs, through diet manipulation and, and severe, uh, what they call now peak week. And, you know, I lose clients when I tell them that 
I don't believe in a peak week because they're like, but you have to do a peak week. Like, and I try to explain to them that if you're in condition at 10, 10 days out, seven days out, we ride it in. And they don't understand that. They think like, you know, it's a rite of passage to do a peak week and to deplete and cut their water out and do all these crazy things that everyone does. And they don't understand the, the concept of uh, putting in the work, putting in the effort prior. A lot of guys today don't, I don't think, train that hard and, and don't diet that hard. Like they're, they're you know, used to. So now we're going to we're going to come back to that. But there's also been some changes in terms of like there's there's new categories that I, I still haven't quite wrapped my head around what they mean, um, weight classes oh, and yeah. rules. So so like what what impact do you think these changes have had on the sport and what do you kind of like well, and, and dislike about well, some of these things? So I've always I've always had the um, I've always been uh, how can I put it? I, I've always known that this is a business and within the business it's got to adapt and change so it could it could it could grow right so we have we used to have bodybuilding and women's bodybuilding i I think we used to have um just women's uh fitness then there was figure women's figure women's women's bodybuilding then turned into women's um, physique and then bikini came on board and now in the men's division we have men's classic uh, which is kind of a more streamlined physique. And then within the categories, there's subcategories where you have like um, what Lewis competed in your son was he was able to step on stage in a uh, true novice because you have a novice division, but there could be guys who compete in a novice division. So a novice, a novice competitor means you've never won an overall in a novice division class. You won your class, but you have not won the overall. And a true novice means you've never stepped on stage before. So you're going against competitors who are in the same boat as you. They all, none of them have experience. So that levels the playing field, which is great. In the true novice, you can win your class, but you can always keep going back to novice because if you haven't won an overall. And then in bodybuilding, you have your weight classes, and classic, you have your weight classes, but classic goes from uh, with height and weight, not just weight class. It has to be a certain height to fit that weight class. And that's why the physiques are a little more streamlined. And there's a few poses in classic that are not allowed as far as like, say the front lat spread, the rear lat spread, I think the, or the back low bicep, I can't remember which one it was. And uh, most muscular is not, um, asked for and then they ask for a classic pose of your favorite choice but not a most muscular so it's kind of confusing yeah and and even the fact that you 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 go and some you wear traditional bodybuilding trunks sometimes you wear almost bodybuilding trunks that are kind of like you know like underwear and then you wear bathing suits for for another you know in another one physique, yeah and the men's physique so it's a little it's definitely confusing for you know an old guy like me coming back to see it 25 years later yeah, there's something for everybody. And and that's the great thing about the sport today. But um, none of those categories would even like in, pique my interest except just bodybuilding. I'm, I'm a bodybuilder, you know, from the heart. So I, I feel like if you're not going to, how can you go into the gym and not train your legs? 
how can you go into the gym and not try to be the best you can be? A lot of guys today don't understand what classic is really about. The bottom line, what classic is, it, it's all bodybuilding. So eventually you're going to outgrow the class you're in and have to move up because you're growing, you're, you're a bodybuilder. The purpose of eating the amount of food we eat and training is to grow and to, and to expand on the dimensions of our, our physique. Well, I mean, that's what originally drew me to it was not so much that, you know, hey, I can't wait to get on stage in my underwear in front of, you know, my family and friends and a couple hundred hundred other strangers. It was <laughs> like, if I'm going to invest time in the gym, like I want to invest time in the gym. I want to do everything I can there and, and train as hard as I possibly can. And and that really leads to one of two things, which is either powerlifting or bodybuilding uh, at right. that point. And so um, if we go back, those two worlds were, were kind of together. Like if we go back in, in some of the history of it, like back in the Arnold days, you know, you actually had to do a powerlifting meet before you went on stage. Right. And so yes. those guys were significantly stronger, you know, Franco Colombo and, and, you know, is considered one of the strongest pound for pound people in history. Right. So, the, so because of that, do you see that that's changed the emphasis where bodybuilders don't have to train that hard or be that strong anymore? Well, I think there's, there's, there's two ways to look at it. Um, there's some guys who train too heavy when they don't incorporate a lot of the exercises that need to enhance their detail in their muscle. Um, and then there's, there's guys who see, all right, you and I, we didn't have a choice. We had bodybuilding. That was it. And if, if we were super strong, we probably would have gravitated towards powerlifting, but we didn't. So we didn't have a choice and guys today have a choice. So with saying that, um, I think like a lot of people are doing it for the wrong reasons today. You did it because you truly love the sport and you were enamored by what you saw in the magazines. Today, people want likes and followers and they're not really doing it for the true passion of bodybuilding. They're jumping on board. They're, they're jumping on, what's that term? Uh, jump on the, jump on a bandwagon, uh, so to speak. So, um, guys are, you know, I mean, look at back. To, I, we always talk about that one workout we had, um, in Jersey city where we, we did legs for, I don't know how many hours and we were like, you know, killing ourselves. Was it productive? Probably not. Absolutely in, not. But in, in terms of physically productive, absolutely not. But in terms of tapping into um, how to train hard and just grit, it was productive, right? So you wouldn't see that today. Guys wouldn't even attempt to do something ludicrous like that. It was like that day was like a workout from hell. And we probably like lost weight, lost muscle from doing that. But the mindset was to, you know, push ourselves to the brink. And that's what we did that day. And we learned, don't do that again. We had to do that to know not to do that again. And we always laugh about it. We talk about it. Um, you don't see people pushing each other. The other thing that's lost today is the art. I call it the art of spotting. Guys don't know. I, I'm very nervous when I think of a, I want to do a weight that I haven't done in a while. And I look around the gym and I'm like, yeah, I, I think I'm going to stick to some hammer strength machines today because I don't know if the jacked dude in the corner even knows how to give me a spot. And that's not an insult to him. It's just the sport has changed so much. They're learning 
from social media in a way where what you and I have learned, we learned from guys in the past, guys in the gym that trained hard and, and you know, and we've had our day, our fun where we, we, we teased people in the gym and made fun of people, but it was also at the same time, we had respect because we knew what they brought to the table as far as hardcore training, grit, and just determination of getting to a goal. I mean, we have a friend that you and I always tease. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to say his name on, on, on this, but you know, he, he, he was one of the guys that, you know, pushed the envelope to open the door for us to learn what not to do. And in this sport, it's like a little bit, got to have a little, got to have a lot of common sense um, to move forward. It's not just genetics. It's, it's all, it all boils down to um, having the determination to withstand that diet, withstand that kind of training and try to not get hurt really. And not to do too much weight and not to do too much of just bizarre things in the gym. I see bizarre things in the gym all the time now. I'm like, I just scratch my head. I'm like, what are they doing? Yeah. And so that's where I always joke. And I'm sure you have clients that come up to you and say, well, I don't want to get too big. And it's like, I try to explain it. Like I've spent 30 years trying to get too big. Like I wish it happened by accident. You know, you, you like I trained really, really, really hard to try to get too big and it didn't happen by accident. And so um, with that, so you actually did do a, a quick stint in doing some in a couple powerlifting meets, meets and did pretty yeah. well. How do you feel that kind of impacted your bodybuilding and did it, you know, cause people think sometimes that they're polar opposites, but they may or may not be kind of, how did, how did that fit in with your bodybuilding? How did it impact your physique and, and your training? So when I went into powerlifting, all right. So I was with universal nutrition slash animal for 18 years. And I met all of the, the powerlifters that came through the cage at the Arnold expo. And one of them was uh, Andre Skiba who owns Skiba's gym down in Edison, New Jersey. And um, Eric Schwartz, who trains down there, is a good friend of mine. And I went to them and I said, uh, I think my bodybuilding days are behind me now. And I want to just really do something competitive. So I told, I told Andre, I will forget everything I've ever learned about bodybuilding, out of what I learned in, with weightlifting and within that, in the, in the scope of training for a bodybuilding contest. And you teach me. And so it brought me kind of back to like 1985 where it was camaraderie. It was just working out and training. And then it opened my eyes in a way, something that I've never done. I, I, I never really had to um, put much emphasis on uh, how to train too much. It came natural to me. I adapted pretty quickly. I learned easily. I learned fast. and but with the powerlifting, it was a whole new world from breathing techniques to uh, training with, with uh, chains, training with bands, training uh, speed work and, and, and power work. I never applied that much effort into thinking of training before. Like I never thought of a heavy day, a light day. I just trained. And so it kind of brought me back to, to my roots a little bit. Um, just because of the camaraderie and the guys welcomed me with open arms. And then um, when I was done with that, uh, I thought about doing something else. I didn't know what I was going to do. I actually, believe it or not, I probably never even told you this, but 
I actually looked into cycling, um, buying a bike and doing something because I wanted to be, I wanted to still be active. And when I started to like really look into it, that's when I had my first major injury with tearing my right shoulder and uh, which resulted in nine anchors uh, to repair my right shoulder for my entire rotator cuff walk. Well, we're going to come back to the, to the injuries in a minute and talk about that, but, but go ahead. I want to hear about your cycling career, the almost Lance Armstrong. <laughs> yeah. But then I thought, so I was saying like how, how, how much smaller I had to be and lose all the size to be a cyclist. I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this. I, I like being the size I am. <laughs> all right. So um, I have a couple of different directions. I want to go now kind of shifting gears into training. So what, you know, I talk in, in talk to trainers and teach people in the training world all the time. And they refer to, you know, oh, that's bodybuilding training, or they'll say, oh, you don't want to, you know, when I work with training with athletes, they'll say, oh, you don't want to train like a bodybuilder. And they throw it out there, but they don't really understand what that means. There's a big difference between training as a bodybuilder in the pure sense of the word. Like I'm going to go on stage in my underwear and be judged versus I'm going to train just because I want to look good at the beach. I want to look nice in the mirror. Like that's kind of not the same thing, right? No. So if you have a client come to you and says, well, I just want to look good um, in my jeans or at the beach, that's not training for bodybuilding, right? So just, it's maybe Correct. semantics, but kind of explain the difference in the two. So, so when I get a competitor that comes to me and what I do is first we do um, progress pictures and if they had competed in the past, I look at their last competition pictures of all their mandatory poses. And my mindset is we're not going to go into the gym to get bigger. We're going into the gym to get better. If you're doing a front lat spread and your front lat spread, if, you're, if your back in general is a big, thick, wide back, but your front lat spread lacks in width, then we need to focus on attacking the front lat, the lats from the front first if your triceps are weak and they and your biceps overpower your, your triceps then we need to hit triceps before we hit biceps so i try to put a, a a plan together that will execute exercise it'll 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 focus on exercises that will focus on um executing an exercise that i'm, I'm having a brain fart here what i'm trying to say is we go in to get better we go in to make the muscle appear bigger but if we just go in and do the same exact stuff that the guy has been doing leading up to then he's just going to be a bigger version with weak body parts so we want to be a better version the next time we step on stage if and, and, and as you know this eric you can't change the shape of a muscle we can't change um if you and i train the same exact way for a year your bicep is going to look one way and mine's going to look another way we can't change that. We can't change. We can't change the length of it. We can't do any of that stuff. All we could do is make it bigger, but at the same time, we can end up with something that's pretty spectacular because we're training hard and making sure it's balanced in 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 respect to the rest of the body. So it's a it's a balancing act to look great on stage, and it's not a balancing act to look great on the beach because on the beach your hands are down to your sides, and you know. A little 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 bit of chest and shoulder training and some back training and that's all you need where it's 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 a simple process but bodybuilding is more complicated yeah because you're truly being judged and and you know as 
being someone who's a, a meathead who watched pumping iron and to the point where I know every, every line of, of every minute of it, you know, Arnold talks about, you're basically molding clay to, to look yep. a sp- very, very specific way. And so that is not easy when you're talking about human physiology. No, no, you know, and, and, and the whole, the whole term like meathead, like I, I used to like cringe when somebody would call me, call me a meathead and I'm like, but I'm not, I, 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 I love what I do and I, and I go into it with the, the, um, the, the thought of it as an art and that's how I apply my training. It's like an art to me. And then that art continues all the way to the stage and, and anybody who's ever seen, you know, Vinnie Pose who knows that there's an, there's an absolute art to it and you could have a great physique and completely get crushed in a show if you don't know how to show it or there's guys who have great physiques or or who don't have as great physiques who can really really display it well and and there is an there's an absolute art form to that as well yeah this past um october 1st when i competed in the uh the daytona pro um really nice gentleman I, i can't remember his name right now he's from england i was 195 pounds next to him he was once uh, 260 and um, I know how to present my physique. And when I stood next to him, I was able to stand next to him looking as big as him. So if you don't go into a contest knowing how to change your game plan, because you could pose, you should be able to pose, you should know how to pose what enhances your physique. But then at the same time, if you're going against somebody like me, for instance, like I'm going to get somebody who's 260. Um, I was able to expand my rib cage a little bit more under the side chest, not come down like how a Frank Zane would do it. That's how I do it. But I was, I did it more like a, an Arnold kind of pose. And I was stood side by side with this guy. And when I looked at the pictures, you kind of like don't know he's 260 and I'm 195. So it's, it's an illusion. It's an art. It's, it's kind of like a science a little bit. It's, um, it's, uh, it's just, putting things into uh, like, like you're going into battle and you got what, what arsenal are you going to use? You know, that that's the way I look at it. Very cool. So let's, let's kind of shift back to the training and a conversation you and I had, we're, we're at dinner, we we're talking about some different things you were doing with your training. And you're asking me, you know, I'm starting these, some of these exercises in different positions and I'm doing these different tempos and what do you think of it? And I, I said, it's actually amazing that that's not only very cool and, and very efficient from a, from a uh, physiological perspective for what you want to do, but it's actually ironically the absolute opposite of what I'll do when I'm training an athlete. So kind of go through mm-hmm. kind of what we were talking about, uh, some of the things you've done that you found some really good results with, and then we'll talk about how that would apply depending on different goals, how you might do just that or do the opposite of that. Well, so f- first I want to touch on the fact that like, yeah, so I've been doing this since uh, it's going on 40 years and I always had the, uh, the mindset of if you think you know it all, then you stop learning. And so I've always tried to uh, put myself in a position of having people who are smarter than me around me. And so that's why, you know, I would always pick your brain. I'm like, Eric's on a different level of different like training. And I had no issues of asking you or anyone else that I thought knew more than me and in a humbling way, because I just wanted to get better. Um, I didn't look at it as um, you started after me. I looked at it as 
you were smarter than me in the category that I want to learn from. So that's why I would ask you, right? So then we would talk and I knew that if I threw a question at you where it didn't make sense, you would tell me the truth because in the gym, guys would be like, that just sounds stupid. But I had this theory and, and the way I approached it was, all right, I'm 55 years old. I don't get a pump like I used to when I was 25 years old. 25 years old, if I was stupid enough one day to pick up a 60-pound dumbbell to, to, to start with curls, I, I wasn't going to get hurt, and I also could get a little pump from it. Today, that ain't happening. I'm not even attempting to look at the 30s, let alone look at the 60s, right? So how do I approach this? How do I get to from A, B to C in a workout where I'm feeling great, I end great, and I don't get hurt. So I started to play around with range of motion. And I started, like, for example, with, say, the tricep extension. Um, I would start out with my hands extended first, then come back and start the motion. Instead of being in this position, pushing, because it would be all elbows. I would only feel it in my elbows. Now, 25 years ago, I didn't need to do that. So I had to start rethinking about how do I train. And a lot of the times that that my training would be with, uh, I had to have a good spotter, which was difficult to find. Um, and trying to get positions where the muscle is already in an activated position where I can, instead of getting from here to push, which is, I have 14 screws throughout my shoulders. So I have to get past that and get past my elbows. So how do I engage my chest? It's in this position, an already a pressed position and then come down with control and I can get full range of motion and I can get a pump in my chest. Same thing with back where when I was doing, when I would do a pull down, I would in the back of the day, I would just start pulling a bar down. Um, now I have to take my biceps out of the workout. I have to take my shoulders out of the workout and focus on thinking like, okay, your hands are a hook, your arm is a lever and you have to, pull with your back you can't see your back you got to feel your back and I probably improved a large percentage in the last prop since I'm about between 49 and 55 a greater deal than I've ever have just by training probably smarter than ever and putting emphasis on feeling the muscle throwing the ego out the door leaving the ego out the door and focusing on what I can do and not what I can't do. So I'm in, I'm in the business of building muscle and I'm in the business of how do I get my hamstrings to hang? What exercises will do that? Okay. Um, textbook or in the gym says you got to squat ass to grass, right? That's like, like, that's the big thing, right? So I would do that over how many years I've been doing that. And then I would just, think to myself, well, you know, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense to me. I'm squatting three quarters of the way down and I get a huge pump in my quads. I squat all the way down like everybody in the gym is doing and I get nothing but a bad back and my hips are killing me. So I started to change the way I squatted. I started to add Bulgarian split squats and my hamstrings hang like they've never hung before. My quads got, have gotten bigger. 
Um, my back's gotten wide. Everything is different on me um, because I've had an open mind to go outside of bodybuilding training into other trainers' mindsets of training. And I think that's the biggest thing. Hey, everybody, a quick break in the action here. Hope you're enjoying the show and we appreciate you listening. We're working hard to bring you the highest quality content and best guests every single week. So if you could do us a big favor and go and like and subscribe to the show on whatever platform you get your podcasts on, it would be greatly appreciated. Be sure to listen at the end of the show also to find out where you can find out more information about our courses, as well as a special discount code for all our listeners. Thanks again, and let's get back to the show. And so with that, it's 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 really kind of understanding that it's not about just the exercise, it's how you perform that exercise. So we may take the Absolutely. same exercise. And if I'm training, you know, if you and I are training together, because you want to train for bodybuilding, I'm going to coach that 100% different than I will if I'm trying to maybe train an athlete. Because Absolutely. what you're trying to do is you're trying to load tissue, right? The more stress you put on the tissue, the more response you're going to get. And that's really what, what you're looking for. Whereas, and it's almost you're looking for inefficiency right? You don't want to be able to do it with less effort. You want to be able to get more effort. Like you said, if you get a better pump now with a 30, than you do with a 60. Now, if I'm an athlete, I want the absolute opposite effect. I want to be able to do the least amount of effort to move that 60, to make that 60 feel light. So right. from a, from a, a, an approach standpoint, it's different from a, um, from a position standpoint, like you talked about, you're starting in a loaded position. So you just stay loaded the whole set. Whereas it, for an athlete, there's, I need to create force from, from a dead stop. Sometimes that's what acceleration is, or I need to be able to put on the brakes. I need to get into extreme positions. And so th with that, there's a lot more wear and tear in your joints. And so uh, if you're doing the volume of training that a bodybuilder does, you, you know, that's going to eventually catch up to you. Um, and so yep. that, I think that's been a big piece of, of kind of your longevity with that. Now that kind of leads me into, you mentioned, obviously you've had some injuries, but you've also, um, you know, need to adjust to, uh, to those things. So tell me kind of what that has done to your training. Well, learning the body, learning powerlifting training actually got me through my shoulder injuries because the, uh, there's a Wendell method. There's all these other methods of powerlifting that I was going through at the time. This was back in 2013 and 14. And, um, you know, I never had 500 pounds on my back before, you know, my, my, my good, a good squat for me when I'm, you know, competing and up training as a bodybuilder has always been around 315, 365 on a good day, a couple of reps with 405. So I never understood how to get to 500 pounds. And when you're training with a three, two, one rep range and some days five rep ranges and, you know, speed work. One day I go into the gym and I'm literally having a hard time doing a five pound dumbbell press over my head. And I'm like, I can't even, I can't even get this over my head. How am I going to do this? And I just applied. I went back, I went, I literally picked up a one pound dumbbell. And I said, okay, well, I could do five reps with this. And I stuck with the five. And, and when that one pound dumbbell, I, when I knew I can get the 10 reps, I then tried the five pound dumbbell and I would do five reps. And, you know, I stuck in that. I didn't do exactly a powerlifting routine, but it gave me the backbone, the basis of how to, how to come back with low reps and, and with that workload um, 
to like I like I remember one time uh I, I think I did um flat dumbbell benches dumbbell bench presses with 15 pounds and I was sitting on the couch and I, it felt like a Mack truck ran me over. It felt like I took 90s and I was training with them when I only had a couple of pounds of hand. So it's a humbling experience when you have to start from ground zero again, when you know what you could do, when now you can't do it anymore. It, it's, it's, it, it, was, it was depressing, to say the least. Um, but, you know, I got through it. So with that, I think there's a lot of inspiration of what you're doing, um, you know, and competing and still training at a very high level in your 50s. And I think that's motivate should be a lot of motivation for for guys who are who are kind of I, I always joke they're the kind of the Al Bundys of the world that like, you know, they talk about how they scored four touchdowns in the state championship 30 years ago. But now their excuse is, well, that's back in the day. I can't do that anymore. When, yeah. you know, I, I, I you kind of calling bullshit on that. And, I, you know, I've followed, obviously, being a good friend, followed your career a long time, and you look better now than you, than is any time I remember. And so um, what kind of helps, other than obviously the, the, the competitiveness of this sport, what, what kind of motivates you on a dreary Monday morning to keep training, to keep doing this? So let's go back a little bit. So in 2017, I did my first show comeback it was the baltimore pro masters baltimore pro and I, I took dead last and then um i did the show again in 2018 and i took dead last and i i just i don't know i i was like what what do i do i mean i, I can't figure this out and i got home that night sitting on a couch watching i i believe it would i think it was the New England Patriots were playing the Giants, I think. But they, it was the New England Patriots. And they did a little clip on Tom Brady. And he was talking about how much he applies to the offseason and what encompasses that. And it, he was talking about deep tissue massage, stretching, yoga, all of the things that he does, right? So I'm like, well, maybe he's, you know, if he does it and he's got a coach, maybe I should get a coach. Maybe I should go down another path. Maybe I should be in shape better being in better shape in the off season. And let's see if I can get this thing going. So I contacted one coach who, and there's three coaches I'm going to talk about. All three are famous in the bodybuilding world. And one told me that um, he believes my better days are behind me and I shouldn't embarrass myself. Stop. And that pissed me off. Second guy told me he didn't want to work with me because if I failed again, it would just tarnish his name. And he didn't believe that I would put the effort into it. So more of a chip on my shoulder. Third guy told me he was retiring because he didn't have the balls to tell me he didn't want to work with me. He just told me he was retiring. He's not retired. And I had a big chip on my shoulder. So there's probably, so with that, there was something else that I had to overcome that you and I probably have never discussed. And I'll, I'll tell you here is that I would sabotage myself throughout my entire career, which is all going to tie in. And I was like, how do I overcome this? How do I beat that mindset? Because throughout my whole entire childhood, 
my mother would tell me other people had that success. You don't. So I'd have success. Like I would, I would, you know, come in second place in team USA or win the team Jersey. And she would say, well, that's fine, but you're not going to go any further. And then I would win the USA and she'd say, you know, something negative. And so that, that messes with a, a young mind. And so as of now I'm getting older, I'm finding I'm winning shows. And then for two, three years in a row, I'm bombing out. Well, I didn't want to do that anymore. So I sat down, I thought, I thought about it. You know, I talked to Sheila, we sat down and we said, I want to do this differently. I want, I have to overcome my, 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 how I sabotage myself. I have to stop that Two, I got to figure this thing out and I got to overcome everything. So I had a lot on my plate as far as like a, a mind fuck goes. And I just wanted to make sure that I'm going to give this hundred percent, but at the same time, I have to battle the demons that are in my head to quit or to think it's too, too hard or too tough. Other people deserved it. I did. And those were the things that I thought about. So I overcame a lot in the last couple of years in learning how to train again, learning how to win and being good with winning and not sabotaging myself. So I applied the training in the off season to where I focused on what I could do, but not what I couldn't do. So I, in the beginning, I couldn't do any, any fly movements. I couldn't do anything like that. Oddly enough, I could do pressing movements, but I couldn't do any flying. Movements. So I just focused on that. I focused on um, getting stretched. I focused on getting massages. I focused on having a better um, mindset every day where I thought only positive thoughts. Um, I wanted to change who I was as a person. Also, I just felt like it was time to like, uh, like, how can I put this without sound? I, you know, it's time to grow up in a sense. Like, okay, I had this great career. And now I'm having a second chance at this. It's different. I don't have the access like I used to where I can't go and get into the magazines because social media has overrode that. I don't know the, that world anymore. How do I do this? And I thought, you know what? I don't care about any of that stuff. I just want to win some shows and close the door. So at first I was thinking, if I could just win one Masters Pro Show or just look really good. Whether it's win or lose, the next day, have a good attitude and a good mindset. And then I could do just one more 212 show. And then I would be done. And really, that's really, really what I wanted, right? And then all of a sudden, now I look back, I'm, I'm like, I have, you know, I went to the Masters Baltimore, I went to the Masters Pittsburgh Pro in 19, and I won the 15 40. Then the next weekend or two weeks later, I went to the hurricane and I won the 50 and took third in the 40. And then the pandemic happened. And that was kind of like a cool thing for me personally, because having the pandemic gave me that time frame to put my to put more muscle back on. And then I thought, okay, I'll do one more contest. I didn't want to end it that way. I want to do one more one more show. And then I started talking about, hey, Vin, the Masters Olympia might be coming back. I'm like, well, that'd be nice. You know, they always talk about stuff like that. But now it is. And, and I look back and now I have um, in total eight wins where if you add them all up, like at the Baltimore, I won the 50, the 40, and the 35. And um, in Daytona, I won the 50, 
and I took second in the 40. So I got a lot of wins and I've overcome a lot of personal stuff. And I think it's the mindset of accepting a loss in a good way and being humble when you win. And it's, it's something about, uh, you know, my experience now and just putting all the pieces together to make that puzzle whole. And, you know, we're not going to know who's going to be invited to the Masters Olympia until um, April 24th, which is crazy. I hate, I'm, I'm really impatient and I hate, and I'm, I'm sure all the guys are too. You know, we have to wait until April to hear who's invited. But um, right now my mindset is um, I'm training like I'm going into the contest. And if on April 25th, if the news is bad, then there's the Masters World in uh, Pittsburgh on, on uh, September 3rd. So that's the best plan B. I don't like having a plan B, but that's right now I have no choice in how I'm going to look at the, the mindset going into the shows. Because if I'm not invited, okay, sometimes you're invited to the party and sometimes you're not. And that's the way life is. And you have to accept those things. Well, I, there's a ton of inspiration, you know, and everything you just said for the athletes out there, for for the guys who who think that their best days are behind them. Uh, I think there's a lot in there. And then there's also a lot for the, you know, going back to that person that, hey, I just want to look good in the mirror. Um, there was a, a great uh, conversation that Lane Norton had with uh, Andrew Huberman on, on a podcast. And what they were talking about a lot of when you're training, and you want to transform yourself, you have to, you have to be able to kind of kill your old identity. And right, 100%. He, and he says that you can, you know, and it, it, this goes back to um, uh, anybody who's ever been around addiction or, or um, alcoholism or anything like that. You have to change your, your, who you are. You can't be the life of the party anymore. You can't go to the same spots anymore. And so the same thing has to apply that if you, you have to make some sort of dramatic change and you have to be, in, internally say, I have to kind of kill that old self. And so, um, and, and, and he tells a story about the actor from remember the Titans. If you remember the very heavy, Ethan Duplier, I think was his name, the really yep. heavy set guy from, from, uh, from remember the Titans who lost a ton of weight. And he says, every, transformation. yeah. And every day he says, every day I have to wake up and, and kill that demon. I have to kill my former self to, 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 to stay the new self. And so, uh, for the people out there that are looking to just kind of transform, that's a big piece of that, <clears throat> that you have to let go of all that baggage um, and accept, yep. accept success. Right. So, yeah, I think that's important. Um, and the other thing, go ahead. The, the other thing too, is, you know, um, when you, when I talk or hear, when I, when I'm putting a picture up on Facebook or Instagram and I get a lot of uh, people who didn't, haven't accomplished a lot and they're older will like, send me you know dms and saying you should be more positive age is just a number i'm like i am being positive and age is not just a number because if it were then i could do what i did when i was 25 and i try to drive it home it can be done it has to be done with patience and has to be done with focusing on and I, i keep driving this home focus on what you can do not what you can't do and i think that that has been probably my number one driving force in my success is I, I just, I smother what I can do. 
and I ignore what I can't do. There's days, there's things that I have difficult time doing. Like say, if I go into the gym and I have, okay, I want to do A, B, and C for legs. And I'm 20 minutes into trying to warm up. And I'm like, this isn't working today. I got to, I got to change this whole thing. I got to change the whole plan. Then you change and you don't, I, I, it would be not in my best interest to focus and, tr and try to like break through that barrier. Cause you know, you turned me on to uh, David um, Goggins. Yeah. Right. And so he's a, he's a maniac. And you know, if you listen to him, it's like, don't think that way and and trudge through it and and break that barrier but when we're lifting weights and we're we're, we're trying to force our muscles to do something in at a later later age we need to be smart about it and say okay this isn't going to work today we need to have another plan of action let's pick another exercise let's pick another path today because that's that's part of my longevity this past these past couple well 40 years but in the last five years being able to rebuild my physique and moving forward, um, look, my physique's not the way it used to be. I'm older. I still have a small waist, but because I'm 55, naturally, my waist is a little bit different, a little bit more thicker. Um, my lats needed to come up. My legs need to have a more flair to them. And I'm scratching my head thinking, how am I going to do this? And I remember um, I lost my mobility when I came back because I couldn't get my hands behind my behind a bar to do any squats and every time i had my hands up i would throw myself forward and i couldn't squat so that's how i stumbled onto bulgarian split squats um evan Santapani, who's a former ifbb competitor he, he had torn his quad and i was reading an article that he couldn't squat but he was able to do bulgarian split squats and i used to think bulgarian split squats that, that's the girls exercise they do that in the corner and you know, they look all pretty doing it. But when you work your way up to like 70 pound dumbbells, those that, that exercise is, is a bitch. And it takes you to another level of intensity where the age is a factor, but you can get there. You can get that, you can get that intensity up, but you just have to be really mindful of, okay, it's a, it's a teetering thing where I don't want to have an injury and I want to get, I want to have progress. And then the other thing is, I look at the clock. I give myself, a, 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 I have certain warm-ups for certain body parts. And then that's when my workout starts. So I give it anywhere between 10 and 20 minutes of warming up. And then I look at the clock and I go, I got one hour of training. So I'm in the gym about an hour and a half total. And that's including 20 minutes of cardio. It gets a little longer as the show gets closer, but that's about the gist of my workout. Got it. And, and so I think that going back to the Goggins thing is that what you have to understand is that changing the path isn't necessarily turning around and going home, right? Changing the path is just picking a smarter way to get to the same place. So right. I think that's a big message that, you know, it's not that you're not training, you're just figuring out a different way to get it. And you're still training very hard, just training smarter. Um, well, people so like us understand that, but then there's people who want to be like us and they hear Goggins message and they get confused. That's what I was trying to say. So if I yeah. become more, that's what I meant. 
No, a hundred percent. And so that's, that's, that's a, a huge point to clarify. So as we're getting towards, towards the, the end here, uh, talk about kind of what you're doing now with your, you know, with, with coaching competitors, um, including one in my house. Um, and then you got yourself a, a new podcast coming up. So talk about some of the new projects you're working on. Yeah. So, um, Masters Muscle Podcast is going to start this Wednesday. It's going to be live. I'll have a link on my uh, Instagram. My Instagram is Vinnie Galanti underscore on Instagram. And I'm a Vinnie Galanti on Facebook. And, um, you know, I'm a personal trainer at Powerhouse in Saddlebrook. Um, I have clients that range from, that have MS to Parkinson's to up and coming bodybuilders to everyday uh, businessmen who just want to look good for the beach. And, um, you know, I'm just trying to do my thing, enjoy life, be a bodybuilder one more time and, uh, sail into the sunset after this is all over. Hopefully I get invited to the Masters Olympia and, uh, life is good. And, um, I'm enjoying it really uh, probably more than I've ever enjoyed it. Even more so than the days that I was on magazine covers and having features. And when we go out to California and do photo shoots and travel, uh, I've been fortunate and blessed to travel around the world. And uh, I'm going to have that opportunity again if I get invited to the Mass Olympia, where it's going to be held in uh, Romania. And that's going to be exciting. And, um, you know, just trying to do my thing. And when I'm 65, I want to be sitting on a couch thinking and saying, I did it. I put it to bed. It's, you know, it's all good now. Awesome. Well, um, very cool stuff. We'll post all those links. And, uh, you know, in, in terms of uh, reiterating what you're saying, in terms of being blessed, it's been a blessing to have you a friend for all these years. Um, and as from from early on in those days when we were absolutely in awe of you, following you around the gym, um, to uh, to now having it go full circle, having you, you know, train train my son and and uh, just been a, a very cool ride along the way. Can't wait to see what you got next. So we want to thank everybody for, for listening. This has been the Principles of Performance Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Principles of Performance Podcast. If you've enjoyed our content, please like and share on your social media outlets as well as subscribe and give us a review on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or whatever your preferred platform is to listen to. For more information on the principles of program design courses and workshops, visit us at www.principlesofprogramdesign.com and follow us on all of the social media channels where we post new content every day. To save 10% on any PPD courses, enter the discount code PRINCIPLESPODCAST10 at checkout. If you have any questions we can answer or suggestions for the show, you can email us at info at principlesofprogramdesign.com or message us on social media. Thank you again for your support.